Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 220. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm always joined by my co-host, Evan. How we doing? Uh, you know, I'm just living life. Um, I'm honestly happy, over the moon. Just watched a 6-0 win yesterday <clears throat> uh, over RC Lawns. Got a 1-0 on the weekend. Works good. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, I was trying to, I always just used to you doing the intro, so when I do it, I try to do the same thing, but I get my words fumbled up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but I was, it's just habit, it's like in my brain. Mm-hmm. I just had like something else on my mind, I was about to spurt out and it just got jumbled, but next week will be our four year anniversary, I think we our first wow. episode came out December 5th, 2019, so... Yeah, coming up on four years, it's been it's been crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best thing is just the consistency and how we still have the same same uh, love and passion for it as we did at the start. It's like hasn't changed really. Yeah, I mean, it's I, honestly it's only become like more enjoyable to do as as time has gone on. I I really initially like the vision that we had obviously wasn't for it to be a football show, but I think the more and more we talk, the more and more it was primarily just you and I showing up uh, for these things, rip roaring and ready to go. Uh, you know, it it has kind of evolved into this and. Um, still, uh, the more and more I look around for football podcasts, there's, I, I find a new one every month and it's never Americans talking about it, which is, I suppose that's a good thing. Um, but I think it's, we occupy a niche in the U S market that there isn't a lot of people talking about. And even the American pundits, they don't. I don't think a lot of them know what they're talking about. So it's it's good. I mean, I'm I'm glad that we do this every week, and I don't foresee us stopping anytime soon. Yeah, 100%. And we're, we're talking before the show about going over to England for a few weeks, probably sometime yep. next year. So that could be something in the future I have ideas about for in-person content, actually being able to watch and get a feel for the atmosphere at those games. So definitely something on the bucket list, and I'm sure we'll be definitely doing, but... Yeah, that's down longer down the pipeline. We got uh, week 13 review, and then we got week 14 preview, getting into this hectic Christmas period starting in the December window. Uh, hmm. Records last week, we went, Evan and I both went six and four. Zach went four and six overall right now. Evan is third. He's 73 and 57 with his 56% success hit. Uh, Zach, 76, 54. He's 58%. And I'm 79 and 51. I'm at 60% success what rate. Yeah. A week. What a, a year for you so far, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's been good. I got a couple wild ones this week as well. Throwing it in. I feel like this is the time where we see things get crazy with, with the scheduling so tight. And teams like Chelsea, you were mentioning Arsenal with Europe. Chelsea doesn't have to deal with that. but um, So hopefully that works in our benefit. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. Game week 13 mm-hmm. started off with a banger. Uh, Man City hosting Liverpool. Ended in a 1-1 draw. We both got this one head-on. Conventional start with the opening goal, Hurling Holland, in the 27th minute off a Ake assist. Uh, nothing really else for Liverpool there. They battled, though. Man City only hit 60% to Liverpool's 40. The counterattacks were there for Liverpool. Uh, a lot of chances there. 
that involved Darwin. Darwin played a big factor in this game, uh, as well as Jota picked up an injury, so, and I think he's out for an extended period. So yes. we're going to be seeing him more at the forefront, Nunes, especially next month when uh, Salah goes to AFCON. But the the man that stood up here to equalize was Trent, Alexander-Arnold, mm-hmm. off of Mo Salah's assist. Nice little ripper, top of the box, bottom left corner. And then from there on, there wasn't too, too much uh, crazy. There were both some squeaky moments for both goalkeepers, more so for yeah. Allison. Allison was really testing the waters with how far he can uh, go without making a massive uh, error. But, yeah, overall, what do you think of this contest? We see Pep, Mans- Pep and Jurgen draw again. Yeah, I mean, this is always a good matchup. It, it, it's always entertaining. Uh, I took Liverpool or draw, I think, in a, in a parlay. I was a bit late on the start time, but I still got it at plus money. Um, I thought Liverpool would always be in the game. Uh, that was the case, absolutely. Um, looked so, so threatening on the counter. Darwin just... He is. He had many chances here that he could have converted. Liverpool could have absolutely won this game, and then you know you just have to remember that it's Darwin Nunez. So it's just what's going to happen. Um, he's not going to put away every chance, but he's good for a banger, and he's good for a goal you really need every once in a while. Uh, was a bit surprised to see Trent be the one who stepped up, um, but I'll tell you what, he was wearing you know a new set of Adidas Predator boots. The Predators are my favorite unreleased. set of boots of all time. They were unreleased. I mean, ever since I saw David Beckham in them the first time, you know, he he laced it up uh, at the Galaxy. Those gold uh, Adidas Predators. I absolutely love those boots. Uh, I think honestly, I, we we have to give credit to Adidas here. That that's the reason he scored the goal. It was big. The celebration after, shushing. I oh, just. That that's a crazy one, um, yeah. What a, what a performance from Trent in this one, just scoring a huge goal. Uh, you mentioned the goalkeeper issues, Allison. The first goal was an issue uh, from him. It was really suspect the way that he played in this game. It's happening way too out. often. It, I I know, dude. It happens to Allison. Like, but here's here's how it works. He'll go. 10 weeks without making a fucking mistake and then he'll make three mistakes in one game and then he'll go another three weeks without making a mistake it's not like every game continual issues you know what i mean it's not like we're seeing with raya or like we've even seen with um uh bobby sanchez at chelsea those guys are making issues all the time or you know making errors all the time you're seeing it every game allison is pretty consistent but when he's having a bad game he has a bad game um, I think City were lucky, to be honest, to get away uh, from this with a point. The pressure was building in Liverpool's favor uh, all of the second half. Jeremy Doku, another person that didn't get on the sheet in terms of uh, goals or assists, but holy fuck, dude. He is one of the most threatening take-on wingers I have seen in the last decade. Uh, reminds me of very young Wilf Zaha, like, just a street baller does not give a fuck. Will take anybody on. He will run you on, you know, to the fucking cinders. He just, he's so fucking quick, and he seemingly doesn't lose uh, stamina. Some of that probably comes from the fact that he doesn't get back so much. Um, and he's not really a pep player, but he is so good. And honestly, I think we we haven't even seen all that Doku can do. Uh, he's he was such a great signing. 
But yeah, it was a super entertaining game. Early one, wish it wasn't at seven thirty, so that people could, over you know in the U.S. Um, could, could get up and and watch this while they're not half asleep. Uh, but what an entertaining match! This one never disappoints, does it? One of the major issues living on the West Coast, if I ever thought of moving. Oh my God! It'd be four a.m. That really shows if you're passionate enough. Um, Doku, you <laughs> mentioned he's a successful dribbler. I think he's credited for eleven successful dribbles. That's crazy. Past. and the goalkeepers. Back to that point, do you think this is just an effect of the modern game? We see this now with all the top teams bringing in these types of goalkeepers that on paper or listed as being good with their feet and playing out of their back is that just how the game is nowadays instead of just old school just hoof it up don't become a don't get don't have any spotlight on you just do your job with your hands yeah i mean i i really do think it's kind of a it's kind of a fallacy that you need a goalkeeper that can use his feet uh if you ask me still i would rather have a straight you know, shot blocker. And this kind of started with like Manuel Neuer who played like sweeper keeper. Yeah. But there, there have been other keepers, you know, at, at Neuer's level, like Courtois is a great example. He can do it. He can play out of the back if he needs to, but more than anything, he is just a shot stopper. He is extremely good. He's huge. And as the game evolves and evolves and more players want to build or more managers want to build out of the back slowly uh you need somebody that can trap the ball and then distribute it back out but you're taking away from what a goalkeeper is actually on the pitch to do which is use his fucking hands um i fucking saw it last night with onana he's been you know a good good with his feet goalkeeper but he's at very average, let's say average with his hands, it's just more to think about. You know, you're you're playing two positions almost. You're playing as like a third deep lying center back half the time, on top of having to be the one that that stops the shots. It's a lot to worry about as a goalkeeper. I, I don't blame them, but um, yeah, I think that's just the way the game has progressed, and I don't necessarily think it's something uh, that I like to be honest with you because. We see more and more errors, more errors now than we ever saw from keepers growing up. Yeah. Uh, last thing on that game, both teams also this week qualified for the knockout stages of the European competitions. City in the Champions League, Liverpool in the Europa League. They both move on, and the result of this game moved Man City down to second on 29 points, dropped Liverpool to third on 28, level with Aston right. Villa, only had on goal differential there. Uh, next game, let's just rip the Band-Aid off the headliner, the 10 a.m. game. We have Newcastle <laughs> for Chelsea 1. Yeah. Game of two halves. Um, Isak was a, a, a start in this game after a long uh, while on the sidelines. It was a massive difference from Gordon at the 9. But both of those guys played massive roles in the match. Isak opened up the scoring in the 13th off a Lewis Miley assist. Uh, Raheem Sterling responded with an absolute stunning free kick in the 23rd. Debatably was a flop how he earned it off a trippier um, foul off on the back. Going to the half 1-1. A lot of cards flying. A total, a total of six yellows with a red for Chelsea and four on Newcastle's side. Um, 60th and 61st minute, that's when things just went out, out the... Um, just out the window, really, for Chelsea. Lascelles yeah. in the 60th of a Gordon assist. 
on the whipped in cross and then Jolington off a Tiago Silva massive error on a pass back to Sanchez he also in the first half early on tried to do a scoop turn and fell over the ball it was very poor um shows the skill moves uh system in, in EAFC and how that works and oh. it can't relate correlate to real life um Reese James picks up a double yellow in the 73rd, so he'll be without us for the Brighton game this weekend. Yes. And, and then in the 83rd minute, Gordon made his mark, got his goal off a Miguel Almiron assist. This puts Newcastle only, what's that, five points clear of the top four on 23 points. They're a point behind Man United, who are in sixth. Chelsea hold their position in 10th on 16 points. They are seven points from behind Newcastle in that last European uh, place position. Chelsea only two wins in their last six, even though they've scored 12 goals in their last six games. Um, It's crazy. It's just crazy how up and down the last couple games have been. We've scored nine goals in the last three, a 4-1 win, 4-4 draw, now a 4-1 defeat. I mean... I don't know. This, I don't, there's a lot to go from here. Where do you have to put on this before I, I, I got to collect my thoughts here? I Newcastle are a really tough team to play. Uh, they've been Arsenal's bogey team the past couple of seasons. They're very, very tough to play. They do have a lot of injuries right now. This is not a good result for Chelsea, obviously. I mean, that much is very clear. But they've got Nisak back. You're facing a pretty good side. Uh, Almiron, Isak, and Gordon across the top is extremely hard to defend. And the issue with Chelsea in defense is Thiago Silva is a first-choice defender for you. And he made two big errors in this game. And he doesn't have the pace to make up for errors like some of the other younger center backs do. Um, It's a bit concerning. Um, I think... You guys have players that you can slot in to, to play back there where Silva is, but then you sacrifice the leader of the back line who speaks four languages. It's it's tough to face somebody like Thiago Silva out, especially if he genuinely wants to continue to play. Um, one of the center backs of our time, like no doubt he's, you know, uh, early 90 kids that were born in, in the late 80s and early 90s had players like Maldini. Tiago Silva is pretty much the closest we have to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. He seems to be a bit off the pace, like no doubt about it. I think the rest of the team played well enough. Sterling's in sensational form. Uh, Palmer was a little bit more invisible here. Uh, but you, you just can't ever count Newcastle out. They have enough players in that first team. Kimaresh behind those three up front. Uh, Fabian Schaar is still playing. Trippier is just unbelievable. And then you have Nick Pope in the goal, who's a fucking brick wall. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, you don't, you're don't. you not going to be happy with this, but um, Pochettino was on the side, like the bench, I think, because he had yellow accumulation. Reese James going ahead and getting some yellow accumulation issues. Now he's going to be missing games. It's a problem, but you have to just take the past couple of results and say, all right, we didn't have it against Newcastle. Let's get into the next one, you know? 
Um, Chelsea obviously aren't contending for the league this year. I don't think anybody was expecting that, especially us. Um, so you got to take it as a learning moment and, and move on. This team's young, and they have a good manager, and you're starting to see a couple of the signs that that he's bringing. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, don't sweat this one. Arsenal lost to to Newcastle too, and we're at the top of the league. Yeah, well, that's your only loss. This is our fifth. Uh, we're five games in out of that seven-game stretch of gauntlet teams to play. Uh, uh -huh. Only one win in those in these past five. We play a Brighton team who have incredible injury issues now. Ansu Fadi and Tyreek Lamptey are now listed out for the next yeah. two months, so they are really on thin, thin ice when it comes to their squad depth. So that's a good team to play now, and then we also play United. Uh, in the midweek, we have midweek fixtures coming up after this weekend's matches. So uh, after that, it opens up for us. That's when we got to go on a big run to really catch up on these teams. Um, we don't want this to expand to six, seven, eight points because then it becomes a massive issue. Plus, we're only one point from being in the the, the bottom half in like 14th or 15th. So it's really tight. It's contentious. Um, there were rumors that Nkunku was going to be able to play in this game, but now he's listed for another three to four weeks so um even the idea of him coming back this soon was crazy but i think the tiago silva issue you mentioned we have two we have three right-sided center backs in the team and we only have two on the left so the left side's caldwell and batty shield those guys are the primary ones rotating there and then on the right obviously you have silva uh we brought in dizasi but that was because yeah uh, wesley fofana got in another major injury issue at the start of the year so i think him being able to come back in january maybe smooth things out especially if silva's having more issues and um, because mm -hmm. that was the that was the reason we brought fafana in for him and caldwell or him and Batty shield to to build that partnership tiago silva this is i think close to be his last year he's he said he wants to retire in brazil so he's 39 he'll be turning 40 next september um, i'm sure he'll be moving on to greener pastures and this he ought to retire he's done his fucking hard yards by now yeah but i think he just wants to go home and play there for a year maybe before he decides to hang yeah. it up so yeah but quickly on newcastle good win was hoping for better but it's just tough playing them at home and they got they got i mean we can talk about this at the end but they got boned um tuesday yep. that was yep. upsetting to see how, the, what the psg thing yeah that handball the call so um next game Nottingham Forest against Brighton it ended in a 3-2 Brighton in Brighton's favor comeback uh things opened up in Nottingham Forest's favor in the third minute early on off of Morgan Gibbs White Cross to Anthony Alanga he's been firing since his move from Man United Brighton respond in the 26th minute off an Evan Ferguson goal and then right before halftime Joe Pedro scores both assisted by Pascal Gross that both of those injuries as I mentioned to Fatty and Lamptey both happened in the first half uh, so they lose two key guys there uh, and then the 58th minute Brighton get that winning goal off a penalty from Joe Pedro we did see a double yellow to Lewis Dunk so he'll be out for the Chelsea game thankfully uh, Forrest get a consolation goal off a Gibbs White penalty and then from there on, Forrest couldn't find the equalizer. Um, Taiwo Obani is listed out for the next two months as well. So we're going to be seeing a lot of Chris Wood in this team. 
uh, for Brighton. We're going to hopefully see a lot more Evan Ferguson in the future to carry for them since they literally don't have any other options to put in instead of him. That's the truth. They don't. They have literally nobody else. Uh, and I believe Shao Pedro scored again today. Uh, I forget who they played, but... Athens. Yeah, AEK, Athens, that's right. Um, but yeah, this one, I mean, Anthony Alonga is turning into quite a player. Um, great to see him getting first-team minutes. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, good to see him get on the score sheet. It's been a while. Uh, and then for Brighton, I mean, this is just a huge win for them. You saw what uh, Roberto Deserbi did after, uh, you know, the full-time whistle. He was out on the pitch. He was running up and down the touchlines, just waving his hands in the air, super excited. Uh, actually missed the handshake with Steve Cooper. A little bit unfortunate there. I don't think he was happy about that. Um, but really good result to go to City Ground, get this one, being a man down, uh, and being a man down for the final, you know, 27 minutes, which are, uh, or 17 minutes, which were very, very important. Uh, Gibbs White scored that in the 76th of the penalty, and it seemed like maybe momentum would shift to the point where they could get another and Brighton would fall, but what a result uh, for Brighton. I know this is just not enough for us, and some folks are going to say, you know, Brighton haven't been that great. They've been pretty poor, but you have to take a game like this, especially now that they have Fati injured. This is a huge result. Doesn't matter who it's against. Um, you got to give them credit. They fought hard. They managed to do it a man down at the end. Brighton are a good side. Um, they're in eighth now. It's going to be tough going forward because they're so thin. Uh, but if there's one team that's going to bring somebody up that you've never heard of before, uh, it probably would be Brighton. You know, in the next couple of months, you just may see a name you've never seen before uh, very, very often on the score sheet. I'm excited to see uh, if Brighton promote anybody from within, from the youth or somebody they've scouted. It should be interesting. Definitely, potentially. Well, I think a lot of those guys are set to come back at the start of the new year. But this is the with that Europa League match today that they won 1 0. Uh, this is the first time they won back to back games in any comp since mm -hmm. the start of September, where they beat Newcastle and Man United back to back 3 1. Uh, they've only they've only strung two wins in a row three times, including this one this year. So they've been struggling for form. This win also in the league broke a six-game winless streak. So they've been struggling as of lately. People haven't really been talking about them, but I think they've been giving them a lot of um, flack, or not flack, but a lot of uh, leniency with uh, the injury issue that we're already mentioning. So uh, they sit eighth position, 22 points. They're only four off the fifth position, two off sixth by United there. So they're, they're in a great spot. And I think playing a Chelsea team that's had a lot of issues recently is is perfect. I think Deserby's really got Chelsea's number, but this will be the first time we'll see how he matches up against Poch now that he's back on the sidelines. So, uh, Forrest, 15th, two losses in a row now. They're on 13 points, eight clear the drop. Uh, they're pretty safe this year. Uh, you would hope to see them win more at home so far this year. Only two wins in their six games, drawing three and only one defeat, which is good, but uh, they need to convert more of that because the road record, they're 1-5-5. Five, and five. So they really need to do what they did last year to make sure they're clear of that drop zone because at any moment in this league, teams can go on a run. Even it, even the Lutons, they can really stretch things out here and get some ugly wins. But we'll have to wait and see moving forward. Um, 
Speaking of teams down there, we had Sheffield against Bournemouth. Bournemouth winning 3-1. Iraola now, that is two wins in a row, three in his last four. They're seven points clear of the drop zone now um, in a great position. Sheffield struggling again. Uh, scoring opened up in the 12th minute. This was the Marcus Tavernier show, assisted by Semenyo. And then in right before halftime, Justin Clivert bags. I think the I read a stat or heard from commentary. He scored in all top five leagues now in yep. his professional career. So I think he's only the only person to do that, or one of very few. Uh, and then Tavernier doubled on the day in the 51st off of Adam Smith cross to the back stick. Sheffield get a consolation goal in the 96th off an Ollie McBurney goal, somebody they've really been missing. But ultimately, Bournemouth was in full control of this game, 55 to 45% possession, 23 shots to Bournemouth, Sheffield's 10. Um, what do you think of this game overall, I guess? There's nothing really too much to look into. It's a bottom, it's a three-point or six-pointer in that relegation zone. Um, I guess it's more of a moral victory for Bournemouth, really, just get that confidence booster. What I will say is it seems to me that Bournemouth the players are actually sort of melding together with Iriola's, uh philosophy. It seems to me that they are playing how he wants them to play. They're understanding the system, and fucking hell, it took a long time for them to understand the system, but three wins in your last four, you're in good shape in the table, considering the three relegation teams have less than, you know, they're five, four, and four right now. Uh, that's that's awful um bournemouth seven points clear of the drop at this point great stuff and they're not going to be a world beater but they are playing the football that iriola wants them to play uh we saw you know clivert get on the score sheet who knows maybe that does something for his confidence i was really excited about his transfer uh earlier on this season maybe it's just a bit late now he starts to pick up form um team looked good they look much more composed uh, defensively, which was a huge problem for them. Uh, if you go back, if you want to watch the most symbolic defending you've ever seen, watch the way they defended against Arsenal. Um, yeah, this team looks much, much better in the past couple of weeks, and I think they carry this momentum moving forward. It's good to see, because I think Gariola is a good manager, uh, and he was absolutely on the hot seat. So he's for sure bought himself some time. You can you can let me know if I'm being too too focused on my agenda against Bournemouth, but I know you're a Iriola hater. They're three wins. Their last three wins: a two-one win over Burnley, who are dead last; a two-nil win over Newcastle, who had eighty injuries; and then this three-one win over a Sheffield team that looks absolutely awful. They've conceded thirty-four goals now this year, and we're only a third of the way through. So they're on pace to give up over ninety goals. That is correct. However, I'm not, I I don't think you're being too harsh. But I will say, you can only play the teams they put in front of you. It just so happens that they had a pretty weak schedule over the last couple, you know, four weeks or so. They've gotten three good results. You'll take them. That's that's all I'm saying. I you know, it's obviously not going to be easy when they start playing City and Liverpool, and they're going to have to play Arsenal again. They're going to have to play Chelsea. They're going to play Newcastle again. Even Tottenham and Villa are both really tough to play against. I don't think they're going to be world beaters, but I think they're going to have a little bit more confidence going into those fixtures now that they've had you know, a decent run of form. They know they can win games in this league. 
Yeah, it's, I think starting now, it's going to get a little tougher for them. They got Villa. Absolutely. They got Villa this week, then they have Palace middle of the week, United, Luton in there, Forest, and Fulham, and then Tottenham to end the year. So uh, there's a couple good games in there playing teams that have a lot of injury issues, but you're correct. You can only play with, with the team on your schedule. So always credit, always credit to these teams and what they do. Um, moving on to a team that's in the dead last there crushing this is the harshest um result in my opinion this week burnley won west ham two burnley mm-hmm. were in control of this game yep. almost the whole time they get a penalty in the 49th minute should have had one in the first half as well uh that boy colio show potential u.s international on the left wing has really stepped things up since lyle foster's um taken time away he's his estimated period has been set back even further. We mentioned last week, you can't really put a date on it, but he's listed to be out until like the end of January. So I dropped his ass on my fantasy. I picked Coley show up because <laughs> he's the main driving force in this team from what I've seen. But Jay Rodriguez, as I mentioned, put the pen away. And then from there on Burnley, it's a 50, 50 split on possession, but you like the build up from Burnley. It's looked no different what they've done so far, but collapse 86 minute own goal from Darrow. Yeah. And then in the 91st minute, stealing it as the curtains closed is that man, Thomas Suchek, who's been stepping things up. <laughs> he scored again in the 90th minute today. Yep, he's he's picking up form. We mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, he's he's capable of doing this. He scored over 10 goals in a season before. Uh, and now he's playing a more advanced role. We're seeing as of lately, Ward Prowse has played that has dropped into that deep line playmaker we're used to seeing him play when he was at Southampton next to Alvarez, who's a six. And then Suchek's been playing more of that 10, and he's just an absolute war dog, just absolutely going head head, head first in every challenge. Um, and it suits him well. And they get the result here. Devin Moyes, massive points. It keeps them four points clear. Chelsea, um, currently West Ham are ninth, two wins in a row. Uh, only three points back from European competition uh, or European placement. What do you think of the, I guess, start with Burnley here? It's just a capitulation. If you want to stay in this league, you cannot fucking piss away results like this. Five losses in their last five. They have one win. This is something, you are in the driver's seat. You have to at least get a point out of this. Then you let up an own goal, and then you let somebody score at the fucking death. This is horrible. It's indicative of the sort of discipline that Burnley have this year. Um, it's indicative of the curse that J.J. Watt has unfolded on them. Mm. Uh, ever since he's come in, they've been shit. I don't think that's surprising. J.J. Watt, great football player, American football player, but a bit of a cunt, we should say, always was. Do you um, think the dude perfect sponsorship as well? I, I do, man. I think they're cursed. Do you think I they think got too Ameri- Americanized? Yeah, it's not good. We know what happens when that happens. It's 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 just it's not good. He's cursed them, I think. And Burnley are one hundred percent going down. To me, it is I don't wanna listen, I don't wanna see Vincent Company sacked, but how do you not at this point? I mean, they have to they have to get something else going. Um they have a couple of decent players. Amduni is solid, Kalyosho is okay. Um the defense is obviously horrific, but Surely they have enough in the tank in this team to at least get a 
couple of wins. One win through 12 games. I mean, that is a fucking embarrassment. This is one of the worst starts I've seen in years. It's terrible. Do you, um, do you think cheers to Jan- West Ham, I guess, but... Yeah, do you think come January, they need to bring in some, some experienced players? Do they go down that route? An experienced goalkeeper, they sign Trafford in the that summer. Poor kid. He's only 20 off his U21 uh, run where they, in the Euros, they went uh, unbeaten and didn't concede a single goal. Do you think it's yeah. too much of a hype signing? Yeah, maybe, but I think, like, on top of that, you're playing with other talented young defenders when you're playing for the U21. Yeah. England side, the, the youth development, the youth they have in England right now is so good. I think this team needs, like, a, I, I want to say a full overhaul, but, like, absolutely, you need to bring in... You know who I think would walk into this team and make them infinitely better? Fucking James Milner. That's the kind of player they have to look for because right now they're just, they look absolutely lost. There is no commander. There is no general. It's a lot of just like hodgepodge, really kind of mediocre guys mixed with a couple of foreign pieces of talent. It's it's not good, dude. This is very bad. And I don't know, as company, how are you managing this team when you never, ever, ever had to deal with a team this poor while you were playing? Vincent Company was an unbelievable club captain for Manchester City. He also was surrounded by David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne and other extremely good defenders. This is just, he's out of his depth, I think. I mean, when it comes to possession, it doesn't seem to be an issue. They, they're they right in the slab middle of the table with 50%. Discipline-wise, they're one of the fewest carded teams when it comes to yellow. They are listed with three reds, which is the second yeah. most tied there with Tottenham. Um, yeah, I mean, when I watch their games or any highlights on that, like the possession buildup's good, the 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 ideas there the players understand it it just comes down to in that midfield area where you need somebody to step up and be a little extra creative to take a guy one-on-one and to really expose things and just drive it a defense i just don't think they have that in the center of the park with josh brownhill and they they got sander berger who was a big signing we thought at the start they stole him from fellow promoted team sheffield we thought that would be a massive swing for them and it just hasn't seemed to be doing anything. And I keep mentioning Coliosho and Dooney you mentioned too, good. Can yep. create things all on the ball and make runs off. It just, there's still that Jay Rodriguez, Neil Taylor there, like the old identity of Burnley. Oh. And that's just not going to cut it. So I just think Lyle Foster, obviously, is something they need back, a figurehead up front. And maybe one or two creative guys to really get things going. They like having those their wing backs or their full backs get involved in the attack. Last year they had Ian Matson, who was a revolution or a revelation for them, and now he's just rotting on the Chelsea bench. I should go back. I think that would definitely be a move they should make. Try to get him back in January, and I would agree on the Chelsea side of things. He needs to be playing a lot more. We saw him in the preseason playing as like a, uh, as a seven out in the wing, like Ramudrick is or Sterling, and it's just that's not where I think his progression needs to be. So going to Burnley and helping them out could be great for his development, especially in the Prem. So uh, West Ham, though, credit. We saw them bet, duck, dial it back. Danny Ings starting at the nine now with Antonio out. Bowen was also out, which is why they really struggled. 
and I think but Bowen should be back this week, and he's a 50-50 chance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, getting points where it matters is what it takes to keep yourself in a high position in the league. So um, they settled with a zero goal differential. West Ham there, 23-4, 23 against. Uh, it seems like they're all right for now, uh, much better than where you thought they would be at the start of the year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, okay, what's the next one, buddy? Uh, Luton 2, Palace 1. Oh, yeah, bit of a shocker here. Headliner of the day, though, in the in the game, Eze gets hurt. He's listed yeah. to be out until mid-January. So yeah. Elise comes back, Eze's out again now. So we're still going to have to wait to see that duo play again, which sucks. But in this day, Luton get the dub. They put themselves in 17th. They're four points clear of the drop zone above Sheffield there. First goal didn't come until the 72nd minute off a attended Menji goal from a Carlton Morris assist. Eze, though, with, well, we thought would be goal of the week. Um, he scored off a Joel Ward assist. Nice little solo goal run. Top left corner. Absolute banger. Uh, and then Jacob Brown gets the winner in the 83rd minute off a unfortunate miscommunication between Johnston goal and Anderson in the back off a nice whip ball in. Uh, from Ogben, uh, nice tap in for Brown, got the winner. Uh, Luton pick up their second win, uh, first win in their last six, uh, puts them on 12 goals four, which is the third least, but they're getting yeah. points where it matters against the teams they should be beating. And when it comes to Palace, that's four losses in their last five. Uh, the injury to Eze is the most important thing, though, because he was that main 10, and now Eze, or Elise is going to have to bear a lot of that. Um, as well as Czech Ducori got injured in this game too. I think he's potentially out with out with season-ending surgery. So he was yeah. their main six. So they're really going through it. And I think earlier than last year, I might jump on the train. They they are going to get dragged into something nasty come this Christmas window. That's my feeling right now. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, Eze is an absolutely massive loss. Uh, for Palace and also for my fantasy team. When you have two creative players like him and Alyssa right next to each other, it just opens up so many opportunities to play balls over the top, to play whipped crosses in, and not having both. I mean, thank God they're they're getting Alyssa back and he looks great, but um, yeah, it's, uh, that is a huge loss. I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were you know, over the Christmas period this year. I think they've gotten some of that shit form out of the way. They do have four losses in their last five. Uh, I think they'll be all right. But like you said, injuries at this time in the season are extremely tough to deal with. Um, it's You would think like the holiday period for sports is you know the quiet season. It's not, especially in soccer. It is absolutely fucking horrible. Um, you have so many games to play across so many different competitions. And it's a complete mess. They get hardly any time off for it. It's going to be tough, no doubt. Uh, but I have faith that Palace will come through it better than they did last year. I mean, last year's Christmas period was horrendous. Um, should say, Palace had a couple of chances there at the end uh, to equalize. Unfortunately, Luton Town just able to squeak past. Um, Palace are kind of my adopted second team. I like watching them play. Uh, I like the way that the club is run. But it was nice to see Luton Town get their first uh, top flight win since 1992. Uh, the last time Luton Town won a game at home uh, at Kenilworth Road was before the Premier League even existed. It was just top flight football in 1992. 
Yep. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, we drop, we jump from the bottom end of the table to the top. Your new lead leaguers, league leaders, Arsenal with a one 0 win over Brentford. I'll let you take. That's this right. Hi, Havertz FC. He's back. Scored the winner yesterday, or the opener yesterday, uh, in the match against RC Lens, uh, which was at the Emirates as well. This time, going down. Uh, or across town, really, to the G Tech, where he scored the lone header off the bench in the 89th minute. Uh, good lord, this game was sweaty. Zinchenko, goal line clearance. Declan Rice, goal line clearance. Aaron Ramsdale, more errors than I can count. Um, Mikel opted to slot in five attacking players with Odegaard, Trossard, Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka all playing in forward positions. Declan Rice, exactly where I wanted him to be, in the heart of the midfield, playing further back as a CDM. And as I expected, he had a fantastic game. Salibre and Gabriel continue to impress me. Um, Brentford, they stuck in it. They defended really well. Um, They did have five men at the back, which is part of why uh, that five-man attack from Arsenal was neutralized. However, uh, that goal from Havertz coming off the bench, scoring the header, doing that goofy-ass celebration, uh, it was great to see, man. Very, very nice to see Havertz get a little bit of confidence. Uh, at the end, at, at full time, Mikel dragged him all the way over to the traveling Arsenal fans uh, so that they could, you know, show their support, show their thanks. Um, it was nice to see. I, I was really happy that we won this game. Uh, because Brentford fought so hard. I think it was well-deserved. I do think we were the better team. Uh, we had considerable, uh, more considerably more shots, uh, and we held a majority of the possession. That's kind of the way it goes with Arsenal these days. But, um, yeah, I'm super happy to see Havertz get on there. I know I've been very critical of him, but you have to be critical of players that you buy for that much money. Um, and it you know, just so happens that Havertz is in a good goal-scoring run right now. He's got two goals in his last two games that's great stuff yeah that's all you can ask um yep puts them atop of man city as i mentioned they jump them i think that's also another reason they really dug out and got the result in the end is because they knew yeah they wanted to end top they knew with the city result being in the morning and they were the night game uh they knew it, it mattered here to get a win so uh going playing brentford on the road and beating them at their stadium is really tough and not a lot of teams can do that and yeah, it just shows to us what Arsenal's goals are and how how dedicated and determined they are to get there in the end. Uh, we jump to the Sunday matches, only two of them. We start out with the first game that had occurred. Aston Villa getting the victory, 2-1 over Spurs. 22nd minute though, La Celso scored his first goal in I think over two years for Spurs in the league. Uh, equalizer though, right before the half in the 51st minute. Pau Torres off of Douglas Louise Cross equalizes it going into the half. We see some halftime subs for Villa bringing on Leon Bailey and your boy Yuri Tillemans, who assisted mm-hmm. on the winner with an Ollie Watkins goal. Uh, game ends 2-1. Aston Villa now jump Tottenham to fourth position in on 28 points. They're only two points behind Arsenal for the league uh, yeah. leaders. Um Starting off with Villa and the run they've had, that is, what is that? That's seven wins in their last nine games. Yeah, they're in sensational form. 
Uh, some are saying Ollie Watkins is on fire just because of the addition of Musa Diaby and what he adds to this team. Um, do you think a lot of that is true, or do you think maybe it comes from other guys as well, or does Watkins just on his own just finally shining? I mean, I think obviously Watkins is in like incredible form. Um, he's he's that English striker that the league was missing. That that he he needed to step up because Kane's gone. Um, he kind of fulfills that role. He's bigger. He can play the target, but he also drops in. He's great passing. Um, you can't just say this team is is as good as it is because of Ollie Watkins. Um, Louise has Douglas Louise has been sensational this year. Um, I mean, he has been a fantastic. Matty Cash has stepped up big time. Uh, Luca Dina has been good, as good as he always has been. Uh, Pau Torres looking like a great signing at this point. Ezra Kansa, we've talked about him many times. And Diaby, you're adding in all of that pace and all of that, um, you know, just threat. He is, on his day, he is fucking unplayable. He's so good. Um, Great assister of the ball, great scorer of the ball done a little bit more of the assisting this year than he has you know with the scoring but um i think you have to give credit to this entire team they finally got some depth uh leon bailey's been good in stints john duran has been good in stints telemans has been great the past couple of times he's gotten subbed on uh i'm i'm still a bit surprised that he's not starting but you can't really throw him in there ahead of uh bubakar kamara because he's been great this year as well uh this is a well-drilled side uh unai emery is much to my chagrin, apparently a very, very good coach. Um, maybe we didn't give him enough time at Arsenal, but he's been awesome. And I, for one, am, am very much enjoying the renaissance of Aston Villa. It's It's been nice to watch. You, I lean more towards maybe Unai is not the manager type to be at those top-tier clubs with the most clubs. pressures. Like, That's fair. Sevilla's been his... Or, Valencia, wherever, but when they're just Europa League, Europa League after Europa League, it's just he dominates. When the spotlight's not there, he's one of those secondary secondary competitions that aren't in the limelight as the Champions League or winning the Premier League with an Arsenal or City and that type of deal. But uh, he just works with where he is. I mean, he's just there, and people can re- finally start respecting him for it. But speaking about managers and being respected, the three-time manager of the month in the Premier League Ange Postacoglu gets another tough defeat here. That's three straight defeats. Tough one. They had 18 shots total, uh, eight on target. Emmy Martinez was playing out of his socks, making incredible saves. Yeah. Also, another staggering injury to Tottenham with Bensoncore. Bensoncore having a bad ankle injury. Um, John, Mc- I think John McGinn was the one that tackled him, and it was a dirty yeah. looking one. I don't think he was had malicious uh, malice going into it, but he's out for now two to three months, and a lot of the play went through him in this game. And now they're really out of all their midfield options here. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fucking toasted, man. You saw what it looked like. Basuma missed this game with uh, suspension, and no Bentoncourt out. They had the the trio of Kulusevski, Lacelso. And Hoiberg, Skip came in as well at the end. Yeah, and that that young boy, Alejo Velis, who's actually a striker. They slotted him in at center mid, I and, think. And Emerson Royale having to play at center back over Eric yeah, Dyer. Yeah, it's tough. But, uh, he's, he's probably better than Dyer, to be fair. 
I just that just that just shows where Eric Dyer falls on the on the depth chart for Pasacoglu. That's good. That means Ange knows ball if he's all the way down there on the depth chart. So, um, he's yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, you thought he would have left. He's going to be leaving in January, but with their injury issues with Vandeven, I don't know if that's going to be. Uh, Romero should be back though for the next game after his suspension, so that's a positive for them. That is a positive, but even still, like, so what? You leave Emerson in and you throw Ben Davies back to the bench? I, I don't. I think it's going to be it's going to be Poro, Romero, Davies, and Udogi until Vandeven comes back. They need Vandeven back. Like they need him back so bad. As soon as they get him back, I don't. What's Madison's situation? He'll be back by the new year, right? Uh, they're saying he'll be out until mid-January, so right around after, All right. after the first round of those FA Cup games the second week, so after the winter break. It, it, it's a shame. Obviously, as a Spurs fan, like you feel for them because this was the first time in a long time that it seemed like everywhere on the pitch you had a standout player. You had Madison in the midfield. Son was in sensational form. You had... Uh, Vandeven at the back. Romero was playing well when he wasn't fucking suspended. Uh, and then Vicario, who's been like just a revelation in goal. It sucks. It really does suck because this looked like maybe it could be, you know, a year that Tottenham were challenging for the title, challenging for at the very least the top three spot in the league. And now, you know, those other teams are going to have a much freer shot at it. Uh, it's it's very unfortunate. I think Tottenham will be okay once those other players come back, but this holiday period is going to be fucking bloody for them. There's no there's no doubt about that, and that is unfortunate to see because um, Angeball, when he had all of those you know weapons, was just unbelievable to watch. And at the end of the day, guys like us who watch you know almost every game every weekend like. You want to see good football, and they were playing good football, and now, you know, it's one more team that's going to be relegated to playing cancer ball until they have their guys back. It's unfortunate. Yeah, two two defeats at the depths there. That two one loss to Wolves, and now two one loss to Villa. Uh, and I was I misspoke. Romero's going to be out for this game this weekend as well against Man City. So yeah, great. Oh yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So they're going to start dropping, I think, where the table is now. You see Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool in the top three. I think those are your clear-cut title challengers. I think Aston Villa is going to even out sooner rather than later. And then you have United, who's going to be up and down. Tottenham, who's going through a rough period. Newcastle going through injury issues. And then Brighton and West Ham are in there where they're going to be in the mid-table. And then after that, it's just chaos. So, yeah, I think it's a three-horse race right now to the end of the year and it should be hopefully it stays tight all the way through to keep us interested yeah um okay what's up next uh next we had everton zero man united three we thought the point deduction bounce would work but everton this year at home in seven matches are one one and five um while united on the road are four and two uh massive three points United keeps them in that top shape, top form, only four points. Can you believe that? They're only four points from the top four. Crazy. Um, after all the drama, Garnacho, goal of the season contender, contender off a low cross, bicycle kick, top left corner. Pickford attempts to save it, 
does not get anywhere close. Um, is this what I was hearing? Is this goal better than the Rooney goal? Before we move on, the bike? no, I don't want to hear that. It was a great goal. It was fantastic, but I mean, I've seen Andy Carroll score fucking goals like that. Um, no, he's got a ways to go to to top that Rooney goal. However, you got to give him credit. I mean, it was a sensational effort. Oh yeah. Um, and he he scored again yesterday. Fantastic finish. He looks good. Um, Garnacho, Garden Nacho, as I was calling him, uh, mm -hmm. before he stepped it up. I will put some respect on his name, at least until he starts to ghost again, which will happen. Um, very, very impressive. If he hadn't scored such a stunner, I don't think United would have eased uh, past Everton quite so, quite as lazadaisical as they did. Um, Garnacho, Martial, Rashford. Those are the three players you want your striker to score, you want Rashford to score, and you want another winger to score. They were able to do that. This is a much better lineup. Um, but I think the bigger story was how well Kobe Mainu played. 18 years old, Man United guy through and through. Played great. He looked he looked all like he it was all good. over the place. It looked good. Definitely However, somebody that can work with Casemiro. Yes. I don't want to hear from United fans already that he's Conte. I don't want to hear it. I almost, I almost said I saw things games. like that. No, I don't want to fucking hear that shit. Let's get a couple more games. Let's not immediately, because he's the only player on United with a fucking work rate that's higher than medium-medium, let's, let's see a couple more games. He looked all right yesterday against Gallo when they subbed him on. United still blew a fucking 2-0 lead, by the way, because of course they did. Um, impressive. Uh, you know, hats off. He's very young. That was a very good performance. Um, it was Everton, but you got to give him credit. Hopefully he, you know, helped solve the issues. But uh, I saw a lot of Conte, Conte, Conte on Twitter. I mean, let's let's respect N'Golo Conte, all right? Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, back to the Garnacho goal. He hit the Ronaldo celly. He did. Do you think it's, it's suspect? What do you man. think of that? He's Argentine. A suspect. Plays with Messi. Openly a Ronaldo guy. Well, Garnacho, where? What number does Garnacho wear? Isn't he seven or eleven? I think he does wear seven or seventeen. Seventeen. Rather. Yeah, seventeen. He'd, he'd like the seven. I don't know, man. I don't know how you can play with... Who is 7 on their team? I don't think they have a 7. I don't think United have a 7. Martial's 9, Fernandez is 8, Rashford's 10, Garacho's 17. They don't have a 7. Hmm. Well, to be fair, they probably shouldn't. That number should be retired. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how you play with the greatest footballer of all time uh, in your national team. I'd probably... I don't know, maybe he didn't idolize him growing up. He is, uh, he's Argentinian. You would think he would, but I don't know, bro. I didn't like that shit. I don't like that. Also, you score a goal like that, you want to pay tribute to Cristiano Ronaldo or you want to do a celebration that, you know, is your own. You should respect yourself a little bit instead of dick-eating Ronaldo, who's playing in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. We know how I feel about him. Yeah, Onana standing on his head in this one. Not so much yesterday <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. Champions League. Um, 
briefly on the Champions League. You, you mentioned that they bottled a 2-0 lead at, in Turkey, ended in a 3-3 draw. They're currently in last place in their group. Uh, on four points, Copenhagen and Galatasaray on five. Bayern are safe no matter what in the first spot. Uh, they play Bayern Munich in their last match n- next week in the champion, or a week or two in the Champions League. Must yep. win game against Harry Kane, and they need the other two teams to draw. How likely are they to squeak through? Not going to happen. Uh, shout out Thomas uh, to Kellybon with his his unbelievable disaster class yesterday against Copenhagen. Now, uh, United, unless they win, they aren't just going to drop to Europa. If they lose this game, they will drop to the bottom of the group and they will be kicked all the way out. Yeah, no so European there, play. There is no European play if United lose. Um, perhaps that is leftover remnants uh, from when <clears throat> Tuchel was a, a manager, Tuchel. I, I pronounce his name three different ways. Um, in uh, when he was a manager in the Premier League, maybe he's got some leftover hate for United. That seemed calculated. That nil-nil against Copenhagen. Uh, briefly, before we move on, just touch on Everton here. Do you oh. think? Do you think there was too much pressure put on them after that ten-point deduction to get something here? Probably, but we didn't see it that. Well, I didn't see it that way uh, beforehand. I thought. They'd be galvanized, they'd band together, and they'd get a result. That obviously wasn't the case. Yeah, that Garnacho goal just took it, the it air took everything out of, the out of it. Yeah, it's, it's a third minute goal. That's the level that you know you're expected to play up to on the day. I don't know how. I don't know how anybody like can step up to that and and come back. So yeah, I don't know. That's tough. It, it's that's very challenging to uh, to get a result there after that. Okay. Uh, finally, we move on to the Monday night game where we saw fireworks, a uh, high-scoring game we didn't think we'd see out of this game. Fulham 3, Wolves 2, game decided on, on three penalties all in the second half, but scoring opened up in the seventh minute. Your boy Alex Awobi finally getting that starting position at the right wing where he should be. Uh, off a Anthony Robinson assist, who's been firing on the international window, or the international period, bagged two goals over the last recent international break. Yep. Uh, uh, 22nd minute, the Wolves equalized. Back post header from Cunha off a of Belograd assist. William, though, in the 59th on the first penalty. Huang Hee Chan in the 75th equalizes with his penalty. And then in the 93rd, we see a controversial foul on Harry Wilson. William doubles it, gets the winner, and secures the victory for a Fulham team that's been dying to get a win. Their first win in their last in their last five. They were on a three-game, uh, three losses in their last five with a draw in there, unfortunately, against Brighton. But massive three points. They're level with Wolves, Palace. Yeah, Wolves and Palace there on 15 points. Only two, one point from the top half of the table. Um, what did you think of the result here? They got it without Paulinho, which is something they don't do very often. I mean, it's nasty uh, that a game's decided this strongly on pens. I think Wolves did really well to stay in it um, after going down. You know, twice they went down in the seventh, and then they went down again in the 59th. They did really well to stay in the match. But unfortunately, sometimes these games are decided on calls. This The second one was a pen. Uh, we ha- you have to give that to them, but... Um, it was kind of weak, I thought. Like, 
just kind of came in on the backside, and then he caught him that off was and that. Right on his foot. He he did. Uh, it, initially, it looked soft in in like full you know full motion, and then I did watch the replay, and I was like, ah, I, yeah, I guess you got to call that a bend. Um, before VAR, that would have been to the referee's discretion, but you know the the game has changed. Obviously, Fulham needed a win really bad. Uh, William did great to to con- convert both penalties. It's it's very rare that you see a player take two penalties in one game. Usually, they switch it up. But if you look at the team, who else are you going to give it to besides it will be? I don't feel confident with Jimenez taking one, and I certainly don't feel confident with Andres Pereira taking one. So great game from William, clinical from the spot. Um, Wolves, different look here. Uh, I ate Nori and Semedo played a little bit further up than they normally do. It's usually a flat four. Um, but yeah, just not up to the task, I guess, defending it. I didn't think it would be as high scoring as it was and you know Fulham they needed a result they still defended poorly though this is the the issue with Fulham all season long um they're okay now on the table I mean they're level with Wolves and Palace uh but defensively they still look pretty poor you know Robinson is not like a strong super strong consistent defending fullback he's very good going forward he's very good receiving and passing the ball but Reeman Robinson on that left side, like. Reem was getting exposed early in that first half. It's questionable, dude. Reem is so slow because he's so old. He may have the knowledge, but does he have the pace to keep up still? I, like, I'm not sure, dude. I'm really not sure. Yeah, and I agree. Robinson does bomb forward a lot, so it, it can leave him exposed a bit, and you don't want. And him. he's he's good at that, but like you're leaving so much like yeah, open back there. It's like Trent. It's the same thing with Trent. You know, it'd be different if Van Dyke was in that space alone. He can cover a lot. Of that <laughs> yeah, he can cover it. Tim Ream, Tim Ream can't cover all that ground on his own. So that would be like Mert Mertzacker. Like sitting, you're expecting him to cover a whole corner of the pitch. It's very <laughs> very tough. They're yeah. similar in pace. Yeah, Craig Dawson was out of this game as well from Bulls with card accumulation. And you could see with, instead of just pairing somebody else with Kilman and playing their normal back four, they decided to go with a back five with two center backs on either side of Kilman, which you could, I guess they don't have the trust in anybody to just partner with him. So uh, also there was a, a VAR car, red card that should have been, in my opinion, Vinicius, Carlos Vinicius headbutt and Kilman. Uh, Kilman, we rarely mm-hmm. see this, didn't flop. Grabbed his face though, fought, went to VAR, and nothing happened. Just stayed a yellow. No violent conduct. So that's been something he's been getting away with a lot. He's been leaning in on people quite a bit. Yeah. I know. Very aggressive, we should say. Okay. Um, that concludes the recap. If we want to move on before our pre our pick our picks, uh, let's get into our players of the week. Let's start off with our good players here. I think I'm the best man. I did it. Mm. All right. Who would you say was your player of the week, Evan, for game week 13? Um, That is a great question. I... I think I... I gotta give it to to Ollie Watkins. Uh, he's been consistently great this year. Stepped up in a minute where they really needed him here. Sealed the three points against the Tottenham side, who obviously wanted it very, very badly. 
Um, he's got them all the way up to fourth in the table. They're only two points off the lead, uh, one point off of Manchester City. He has helped elevate this club to a point I have never seen them. This is, uh, you know, we talked earlier that, you know, it's it's a lot of a lot of different factors, but Ollie Watkins is obviously at the spearhead. Uh, I got to give it to him. Fantastic. Another fantastic result for Villa, and he's the one that's leading the line. Yeah, for me, honorable mention, uh, Thomas Suchek has been digging mm-hmm. West Ham out of the hole as of lately. But I'm going to go with Marcus Tavernier, bagged a brace against Sheffield team. He stepped up when the team needed him. Uh, he's a guy that's capable of carrying them, starting at that right wing and taking some of the pressure off Dom Solanke, which he did here. So that's definitely something they need moving forward to keep them clear of danger going the rest of the way. Uh, flip side... We go to the worst player of the week. What would you say, Evan? Who was your who who stunk the worst? Unfortunately, I have to give this to Thiago Silva. Um, made two crucial errors. Looks way off the pace. You know, it, at least he did in this one. Um, I don't want to say he cost Chelsea the game, but he certainly did not help them. So much of that defending comes down to him. He's, he has to be better. Um, I'm going to give it to him. I think if you have Desasi in there ahead of Silva in this one, yeah, literally anybody else, um, Silva just had a really bad day uh, that Chelsea don't lose 4-1. So I'll, I'm going to give it to, to Big Tiago. Yeah, I'm going to give it to a pair. I'm going to go with Sam Johnston and Anderson. Just the, mm. the miscommun- miscommunication on that with the ball and ended up being the, the goal that made them lose is just tough. And against a team like Luton, which is a team that you're expected to get points off of, especially even on the road, it's just really tough and could cost them moving forward if things continue like this. So they're going through a rough patch, and you need your big players like them to, to stay organized and get things done. So I'll go with those two. Okay. Um, all right, closing off the show, we got our – picks for this upcoming weekend's games and starting off the first match we have is we have five saturday and five sunday it's a nice even split first game for me arsenal hosting wolves what are you saying evan uh we'll go with arsenal on this one wolves not that impressive against fulham last week there's no way even with five at the back that they're able to cope with all of these players who we're going to throw forward. I'm hoping to see us line up the exact same way we did last week with Trossard, uh, you know, injected in there. I'd love to see Havertz come off the bench again and put in a strong performance. He did just start midweek, so I would imagine we'll see Trossard instead. Uh, I think that sets Arsenal up nicely. i like them to win the game outright, no questions asked. And it's home, so... Agreed. You have to you have to win these home games. Uh, taking Arsenal as well, and so is Zach. Moving on, Brentford hosting Luton. Brentford really need to win two defeats in a row now um, against tough competition. Three 0 to Liverpool, and then that one 0 to Arsenal we spoke about. Uh, this is a win for me for Brentford. Zach agrees. Yeah, I think Brentford as well. This is a great letdown spot for Luton after that win last week against Palace. Uh, Brentford are obviously a better side than Palace at the minute and definitely healthier, so I'll take the Bs. All right, we move to, I think, the trickiest game to call for me. Burnley Mm -hmm. against Sheffield. Relegation battle, the definition of a six-pointer. Both teams only one win this year, both over 10 defeats. 
Burnley's home. They haven't they haven't earned a single point at home this year. Seven games, seven losses. But Sheffield, no wins on the road either. Where do you see this game going? Uh, I'll take a draw. This is going to okay. be stinky. Yeah, I'll take a draw. Maybe a nil-nil, maybe a 1-1. These teams can't get out of their own way. Uh, not going to be an entertaining watch, but we will be there no matter what. Yeah, I went with a draw as well. Zach's going with Burnley. I got a question. If Burnley what? loses this game, does Vincent Company get <laughs> no, the sack? No, no. I mean, what what would tell you that they do? He hasn't been sacked yet, and they've lost 10 game, 11 games. No I, way. There has to be a change at some point, no? Yeah, maybe around Christmas when they can send him home to his family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think now. I don't think they just do it now. We're at a period in the year where historically only one or two teams have ever survived what what makes them think things are going to change with him he's not he's clearly not changing his jj watt effect uh he he must be a big minority holder yeah he is Jesus. actually i think he's he has a considerable amount invested in burnley yeah well i don't know I don't have any ill will against Vincent Company. It's just if the results aren't going your way, it's just at some point you need to tweak something. So, um, But yeah, I went with the draw as well, and Zach went with Burnley just to double that. Uh, we move on. Forrest hosting Everton. I'm going with Everton here. Zach is going Forrest. Where are you going, Evan? Um... I, oh, I just have this Everton weird and I feeling. guess I'll go with Everton. I I have a weird feeling that they're going to win this game. I think they'll show up. I'll take Everton. Yep. Maybe I was a week early on them. Yep. Everton are significantly better on the road this year. They've only earned four points at home. While on the road, they've earned ten. Um, that it's just the pressure of their home fans is just killer to them, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, we move on to the headliner for the Saturday list. Newcastle hosting Man United. What are you thinking here? Does the hot streak end for United? In the yes. League? Yes, I am taking a draw. I think both of these teams share a point. Um, surely United will have their heads hanging, but I think the injuries are obviously an issue for Newcastle. Uh, I will take a draw. I think United nick a goal or two. I don't think they're going to play well, but I do think this one ends in a draw. Okay, Zach agrees with you. He's going to take a draw. I'm going to take Newcastle here just for the fact that I'm playing at home as well as United haven't been playing the best of competition. And if they, and in these wins, they've just been squeaking by. So Newcastle's a team that's not going to re- relent. They're just going to keep going and going. So I'm going to take the home team there. Uh, jumping to the Sunday slate, Bournemouth hosting Aston Villa. This is one of my flyers. I'm taking a draw here. Uh, Zach is taking Villa. What are you thinking? I am taking Aston Villa. I think they slaughter. Okay. Ollie Watkins didn't play today. They said he had a minor tweak, so they were resting him just to be able to play in this game coming up as we speak. Also, Aston Villa are undefeated at home. They're 6-0. and While on the road, they are 3-1-3 and with a negative 5 goal differential at home. They have a plus 18 goal differential. I think Bournemouth here are just a tricky team. They're in hot form, and I think they think they can go head-to-head with Villa, who I think uh, Abubakar Kamara is uh, suspended for this game with card accumulation. So he's their main six. 
where Douglas Louise next to him gets more forward. So I don't know who they're going to place next to him. I'm assuming it's going to be Tillemans. So hopefully that gets the job done for them. But I just think Bournemouth squeaks something here at home. Moving on, West Ham hosting Crystal Palace. Uh, what are you thinking here? Uh, West Ham have used up some luck this week, dude. Yeah. Um, I'll take a draw. I think this one is in a draw. I can see it being like two two. I think Palace still have enough going forward with Alise back, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. West Ham are not going to play as well as they have. Uh, in my opinion, I I think a draw, and I think the defense for Palace will look better after that disaster last week. This is a game I could definitely see ending nil nil, but I'm gonna take West Ham here. Zach as well is taking West Ham. All right, okay. Chelsea hosting Brighton. Both teams, a lot of issues with injuries and suspensions and just identity issues. Um, with all that being said, I'm still taking Chelsea. Zach's taking a draw. Evan, what do you think? Um, I'll take Chelsea. I don't like begrudgingly. I don't want to take them, but I will take them. I was gonna say I, there wasn't much joy behind that. No, there's not. There's not <laughs> much joy there. But Reese James continues to fuck me yeah. like every week, dude. Every week. Yeah. And I think Malagusto might be like a game time decision. So we might be having a somebody random at right back. I don't know. Somebody out of position might be Dzazzi again. Um, yeah. Next, we have Liverpool hosting Fulham. This might be a 5 niller. I'm taking Liverpool. And Zach okay. as well, Liverpool. Yeah, I'm going to take Liverpool as well. It's at Anfield. It's going to be chaos. Fulham struggling defensively. Um, they might get eaten alive here. Uh, and then game of the week was supposed to be. Not anymore. Man City, Tottenham. Mm-hmm. How worried are you for this Tottenham defense? No, I'm taking Tottenham to win. Really? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, these games are always very entertaining. Yeah, like always really fun to watch. It's typically end to end. Um, there is something telling me that Tottenham pull a team of destiny situation here. City just set their fucking trial date for their hundred million uh, violations. I think. The players, or maybe not even the players, but Pep is scrambling a bit. This is wishful thinking. I'm taking Tottenham. Wow. Uh, Zach and I are uh, obviously taking Man City, but damn. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham are the bogey team, but but through all those years, due to one man, and he's not yes. there anymore. I know, he's not. He so, proper hates Manchester City. So I, I hope you're right. That. Arsenal, Me too, buddy. Arsenal would be four points clear of, of City. Um, yeah, but I'm not as worried about Liverpool. Yeah, we have tough matches against City. We usually play all right against Liverpool in the past couple of years. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I It's just very wishful thinking, but I will take Tottenham. All right. Yep, with that being said, that concludes this week's episode. Just an hour and 15. Nice extended one for you guys coming back. Um, make sure you check us out on our socials at Post20Pod 
on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on our streaming platform. Share with your friends, family um, on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, let us know what you're liking about the show, what maybe things you want to uh, be improved. I've improved on my pronunciation on Ange Postacoglu, so That's right. You're killing it now. Yep. With that being said, uh, Evan, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, next episode should be maybe like Monday because we do have midweek fixtures coming up, up so I may have to squeeze something in there. Yeah, no, nothing. Uh, we'll see you guys early next week. I will clear my schedule so that we can record early. Yep, coming up on the four-year anniversary, as I mentioned on the top of the show. Appreciate everybody that's been here from the start or has just joined us now. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Take care.